This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Dr. Carla Fowler. Carla is an MD, PhD, and elite executive coach. For the last decade, she's been a secret weapon for scores of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and other senior leaders. Carla's unique approach combines the latest research from performance science with timeless best practices to help top performers level up and achieve their goals. Thanks so much for joining me today, Carla. Thank you, Diane. I'm happy to be here. I am excited to have you here. And I want to just start off with asking you to please explain to the listeners what performance science is all about. I am happy to do that. You know, performance science uh, is something that originated uh, kind of in the realm of athletics. So this idea of saying, you know, how do people uh, do their best performance, often in sort of physically challenging situations, but uh, since that time has really broadened into a number of different fields. So uh, really people came to understand that we needed to think about how do we do our best work in areas like uh, whether you were flying a plane or you were in the operating room uh, or in the military. And then from there, really that uh, in our businesses, in our work, uh, there are always moments where our performance matters. And so um, it's worth thinking about the science and all the best ideas we have that would inform that. So that's kind of a little bit of history and background on performance science. And I think about it as really what are all the best ideas that are out there, whether it's in sociology, whether it's from psychology, from our business schools and our strategy thinking, what are all those ideas that we can use uh, in really practical ways to help us say, hey, how do I go after the goals or the things I want? How do I do my work better? Um, and how do I generally grow and improve uh, at the things that matter to me? So that's how I define it. That's so great. And and it's funny because I had a feeling that, well, I, I guess I sort of assumed that it had to do initially with athletes. Um, and that's one of the things that intrigued me about this because um, it I, I like the equation of, we can use performance science in the business world. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. So speaking of that, 
Um, how does it, or can it, I guess, help people improve their results? So one of the things I love about performance science is that so many people, uh, including myself, when we start to think about how do I do something better? Often our initial thought is I just have to work harder. I need to work more hours. <laughs> and, and that's such a painful thought because I can imagine uh, your listeners, you, me, often are at the point where we're like, I don't have more time to give this. Yeah. And um, I love performance science because I believe it gives us some principles that are an orthogonal way of looking at how we might improve that is different than simply work harder. Uh, working, working more hours is absolutely a way to have more get done. So I, I'm not trying to say it's not effective. It's just that it has limited sustainability. And so uh, I guess in the wise words of Marshall Goldsmith, you know, what got you here won't get you there. So um, I am a big fan of work ethic, work very hard, particularly early in your career when you have less experience, but you have a lot of effort to give. Uh, but I find often for people who are um, running their own businesses, who are um, mid-career, maybe if they're part of something bigger, that strategy only can take you so far. So this is why I love performance science, because it points you to some other ways to look at improving that aren't just, well, put in more hours. Can you talk about what some of those ways are? Yes, I can. Um, so one of the first principles that I really like to work with clients on, and actually it's something I really start with because I think it sets up everything else for success is this principle of brutal focus. And um, I call it brutal focus because really, I think most of us think that we're pretty focused. Um, that's something that that's not a foreign concept um, as something people think about. But really, I would say often when we're focused enough, it feels a little painful. And the reason it feels a little painful <laughs> is because uh, it often means that we are choosing to not do a number of things that other people are doing that we might see other small businesses doing, um, or even investing a lot of time in, uh, just as an example, right? So maybe uh, it could be that you see a lot of other businesses spending um, a bunch of time on social media and being on all the platforms, and you might think yeah. like, okay, I got to be on all the platforms yeah. uh, for my sales to be effective. And um, just as an example, often um, one ways that one of the ways that people might focus is to say, I really need to find my most effective platform and I need to resist the urge to mm. be on all of them. Or I need to understand what's the purpose of social media in my sales process and only give it as much effort as what it actually contributes to my sales process um, versus maxing out, you know, 99 percentile social media presence when actually it doesn't contribute um, that same degree of effectiveness, for example, to someone's sales process. Um, so I always like to give an example, but really when I say brutal focus, what I mean is that it's important for us to define explicitly like what is it we want to happen? Uh, that could be with our business as a whole. It could be with a particular element of our business or a process. And um, then really asking ourselves, 
what actually matters most to get to that. Um, not what everyone else is doing um, necessarily, um, you know, not everything we could imagine doing, um, not even everything like that could be a good idea, um, but really what matters most. And so that is one of the first principles that I really think about and work with people on because it's the first thing that helps us get um, kind of independent control back of our time and, and how we spend it. That feels tremendously liberating to me, especially with the example you gave about social media. Oh, I can imagine. And so this, I imagine, is this something you encounter with clients and also yep. like for your own business? Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think part of what you're commenting on is that our world is really noisy. And there will always be more things that we could do that seem like good ideas. I'm not even talking about all the stupid ideas out there. I think many, like (laughs) most people have managed to sort of start the business, you know, and do all of that actually can weed out most of like many of the bad ideas. Um, That's not actually what we're talking about here. The problem is um, there's often lots of reasonable ideas out there or things you could be doing. Um, The other thing that happens often, uh, this is another place that uh, things creep into our focus without our realizing it and then start to take up our time is, um, for example, how we give people access to our time. So like our email, Um, you know, how much time we spend sort of, uh, let's say on social media or looking around at what everyone else is doing, because uh, as human beings, our evolutionary biology makes us want to mimic other people. And as a result of that, the more you see other people doing, uh, we will be inclined. We are built to be inclined to want to do those things also. And so um, these are some areas where I feel like brutal focus really helps. And I have like tools. I have a tool that I use with people. Um, You can use it for very meta high level things. And also you can use it for kind of really tactical, smaller things. Uh, But we could definitely talk about that if you want. Yeah, I I would be curious about that because I know, I mean, I love what you said about um, how we um, allow people to to use our time. And we, it feels like we self-sabotage because we, we, we get into this, I have to be attached to these things instead of stopping and thinking, okay, how frequently are these things urgent? Mm-hmm. And you know, 99% of the time they're not. Mm-hmm. But we put that urgency on them. So I'm I'm curious about like ideas for what we do to stop doing that or or you know, sort of put a, a hold on certain things so we can be brutally focused. Yeah. Well, it's a process. And I like to say that because. Another way that we sometimes self-sabotage is we start to work on something to try and improve it. And when we're not excellent at it right away, we're like, <laughs> oh, well, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, Never I mind. mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's very natural to not want to keep doing something you don't feel good at, uh, which let's, we can come back to that. Uh, there's another principle of performance that I think really helps with that. So let's, we'll put a pin in okay. that, but okay. Um, but so I like to just say it's a process and it's a process for everyone, uh, because we're all living in this noisy world and 
often we were rewarded earlier in our careers for just a lot of hustle and just for kind of doing everything, throw the spaghetti at the, fr- at yeah. the fridge and just kind of try and do it all. Yeah. So uh, the first thing that I think really helps, and you can start with a piece of your business. In fact, I think sometimes this is this is easier. Um, certainly, if you're working with a coach, you can approach things more holistically. Sometimes that's helpful. But I like to give an easy starting point because um, why not have some early wins that make us feel a little more confident about then tackling something bigger? So I just call this... Um, in my practice, I call it a 139 exercise, but for our purposes, uh, let's we can tackle a smaller area and we'll just call it the 13 exercise. And so the one is really the point of saying, can you get really specific about like pick an area of your business and the, where you feel like things are not going as well as they could, or where you just feel like you have way more potential maybe to exercise there than you feel like you are. So maybe it's an opportunity area. And uh, the one is to really identify and to try and write out as explicitly as you can, what do you want to have happen there? And sometimes this has numbers associated with it. If it doesn't, sometimes it's more qualitative. And I still say, try and put some more specific words to what you want to have happen than success or good or, you know, I, I mean, those are very honest desires. So I don't, I'm not making fun of that. We all start there. It's really to try and say, okay, yes, but what would make it good? You know, what, what would that look like? Can you put a little more specificity so that you would have some idea about whether or not you were approaching that place? And, uh, and you know, you can always, if you're not totally sure about this, you can ask yourself some additional questions like, well, what do I think, um, you know, someone, you know, someone else in my position, you know, might think, or uh, are there, if I don't know a lot about this area, who could I ask about it, you know, or is there something I could read about it? So, but I often think we have a lot of innate intelligence about it, but we just need to spend some time tapping into that. What do I want in that area? So, and there's no perfect answer here. Just try and get it as specific as you can. And if you see something that's kind of ambiguous in there, like if, if, if this were an instruction sheet to someone else and you gave it to them, they would have no clue what you were talking about. Uh, So that's another way to determine if it's specific enough. So that's the one. And then the next thing I like to do is our goal is we're going to try and figure out what three priorities or sort of actions or areas of investment we could put in that would really drive us towards that. That would be really the primary drivers. Um, Not the nice to haves, not the bow on top, but just the, uh, to to use sort of the um, Tim Ferriss's for our work week, you know, if you had four hours to work on this, what would you absolutely have to do um, Uh, to move it forward is a nice little test. Um, So but I find that it's often hard to know what those three things are. So I recommend make a whole brainstorm. <laughs> uh, just write down everything, total brain dump that might be important. And then you can often group some of those things into themes. Like, ah, I see these things are kind of related to the selling part of that. Or these things are kind of related to the product making part of that, for example. Um, so that can kind of help narrow and focus your list. And um, then I think 
the next thing you can do is kind of go through and say, okay, let me be honest with myself. What's kind of extraneous here? Or what's on this list that I'm doing because I'm just worried about it? You know, I kind of have some risk aversion. And so I'm trying to sort of cover all the bases. Um, so you can kind of eliminate some things there. And um, the goal is really just to try and pick your three best bets and say, I need to invest in these three areas. And I think my bet is that those things are going to help move me in that direction. And then once you've done that, my next two questions are always, how can you get started? Like, what is the first step or what is the next step? And think about what that is. And then I'm a big fan of if it is on your calendar, it probably will get done. Like if there is some time blocked for it. Yeah. And so I'm a big fan of like schedule that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's just kind of an overview of um, it's a simple exercise, uh, making some time for it and not getting too caught up in whether or not you've done it perfectly. Um, I think are the kind of the most important things. And I find it is very, uh, it is very effective. And um, when you see it start to work in, in an area that you want to improve on, um, it feels really good. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. I love this brain dump idea. Um, I, I love this a lot because it gets it all out of your head. It gets it down like on a piece of paper and then you can organize it, as you said, in a way of, you know, what are in, wh which of these things are in the same buckets. And I, I feel like that's part of what trips people up, why, why they aren't necessarily brutally focused in some occurrences, because they're not really, they think they're not sure about what it is, what actions they should be taking. And so they just end up not doing any of it. And then whatever this initiative is, doesn't get done. I love that you brought up this point about when we're not sure about something, uh, we often have trouble getting started. Um, we have trouble keeping going yeah. uh, at a thing. If we're not confident or convinced something's working, um, and often it's just too early to know, like, yeah, we don't know if it's working or not yet, but part of the thing is, well, we need to give it 
some time, um, (laughs) particularly early on. Later on, it is a legitimate question to ask yourself like, okay, is what I'm doing working or do I need to change tax? But, um, but, and so this is this idea of our challenges with uncertainty is something that I think is a huge piece of improving our performance. And I, the principle that I talk about is, can we learn to relish uncertainty? And uh, really the reason I bring that up is because life inherently has uncertainty in it. And particularly starting a business, having your own business uh, can often feel like it has a ton of uncertainty. (laughs) It turns out you can work for a very large company. And even though like you have have this paycheck that comes in every month, there's actually a lot of uncertainty there as well. I think we just don't always recognize it quite as well as the entrepreneur who has decided to step out of that system and say, I'm running my own thing. I think they feel much more clearly that, that sense of, okay, there's uncertainty here. <laughs> sure, because because um, it's apparent every day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I this idea of relishing uncertainty. So one of the things I was talking to a friend about it, and uh, she uh, grew up in Croatia, and she grew up kind of in the Dalmatian coast area. So there's a lot of islands there. So she grew up swimming, swimming in the water, just swimming, swimming. And her point was. When I brought it up, she's like, you know, it's kind of like we can see some of the islands from the shore and you can swim and, you know, uh, you can see them. But this idea of can you learn to relish uncertainty? Because, you know, if if you don't sort of have some kind of relationship or agreement with with that, then you can only swim to the islands you can see. So any, you know, or you can swim from island to island as long as they are within, you know, sight distance, but you cannot like, uh, you know, cross an ocean, uh, you know, you're going to have to spend some time out in the middle of open water. And I just thought this was such a beautiful story, um, or just analogy that she brought up. And I thought it was so true that generally most of us at some point are going to want to do something that requires that we. Uh, lose sight of what was behind us and go forward to something that we cannot yet see or fully see. Um, And the brutal focus helps us sort of pick a compass point. And that's how I like to look at it. Um, I even think goals act as a good compass point to say, I think I generally want to swim West, (laughs) for example. And how about not just West, but like we could give it a little more uh, structure. And that's how brutal focus really helps us is it helps us say, where do I want to go? What do I think is kind of most important about steering that course? But how do we manage uncertainty over time and uh, becomes very important in our ability to keep going? Because uh, I have to say, People who can keep going often like it kind of out succeed in the long run. Uh, often even people who were better than them at the beginning. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It's in a very important skill set. Um, yeah. Now, if you're better at the beginning and you're good at keeping going, well, yes, you will, <laughs> that, you'll probably win. <laughs> but, Bonus. Yes. <laughs> so, okay. So, Relish uncertainty. Uh, I, you know, the next question really is okay, great, Carla, but how do you do that? Um, yeah. 
And I think there's a couple of things that are really helpful. The first is to cultivate a mindset of abundance. And this is a word that's tossed around a lot. So I'll just explain what I mean when I say it. Um, I think it's understanding that uh, there is more than one good place to get to. There is more than one good way to get to the place you want to (laughs) go. And also, um, we need to trust our future self uh, that we are growing, our capabilities are increasing, and that our future self has a lot of um, ability to sort things. Now, we can't sort them until we know what they are. And I think that's why there's an element of trust or faith in our future self to say when we know what those things are, Hmm. we'll figure that out. And so that, that's sort of a perspective piece. And now here are two more actionable pieces. Uh, The first is this idea of figure out what you know and what you don't know and what you can't know. So I'm a big fan of doing your homework. Um, a lot of uncertainty, there are ways we could learn or get some more clarity in those areas. And so I'm a big proponent of those are things we can take action on. If we, you know, realize that we don't know a lot about sales and our business, most businesses rely on sales. Uh, that's actually something where there's a lot of good resources for that classes, training, coaches, um, books. So for example, that's something we could learn a lot more about. Now, um, I think there are other things uh, that we actually know a lot about, and I think it's worth recognizing that we know a lot about it. And then I think the third piece, which is that what, what can't we know, is recognizing what's just going to be uncertain until it is kind of revealed, and um, that doing more homework won't actually help us with that. So <laughs> there comes a point where we need to stop doing that homework and say, okay, it is time for me to take action to make a bet, or as I like to say, uh, it's time to run a good experiment. So this is my last actionable piece of Mm. learning to relish uncertainty. Okay. Uh, And so my background is in science. uh, And so that is part of where this comes from is my experience of being in a lab where the whole point was you had to run experiments where sometimes your hypothesis was right. Sometimes your hypothesis was wrong, Um, you know, and that was just a piece of it. And no one, uh, when your hypothesis was wrong, you often learn just as much as when your hypothesis was right. And so, and it, and it showed you how to move forwards. And so um, I took this and said, you know, this is so true for entrepreneurship and there's so many parallels and it actually works as a really wonderful mindset to have as you're going out into uncertainty. So um, really this idea is to ask yourself, you know, not like, oh, how am I going to handle the worry or the uncertainty until this thing's happen, you know, until I know, but instead to say, how could I design a great experiment that could teach me something about what's working or what's not working? And um, how can I set it up so that the, you know, the risk reward is appropriate you know, the point is not to run an experiment where if you're wrong, you're out of business. <laughs> yeah. um, so a lot of times, sometimes this is like, can you, you know, create an MVP 
service or product and get as much information from some test clients as possible, um, but not to have invested a ton before you know how it's landing. Yeah. Um, but uh, so balancing that risk reward is a piece of a good experiment. Thinking ahead about how you'll interpret what happens, like how, how will you know, um, who are you going to ask or how do you, how might you assess it um, so that you could actually learn from what happens and not just be like, well, I did a bunch of stuff, but I'm not sure what it means. <laughs> um, is, and, is it, go ahead. Wait, I have a question for you. So yes. uh, um, I think inherent in that is uh, the danger that we're going to have outcome bias. Like, you know, we're going to try and force it to, to be what we want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh is there a, I mean, do we just have to say to ourselves, okay, I, I have to be totally open-minded about this and, and curious as opposed to, you know, trying to make things come out the way I want them to? Mm, that you bring up such a good point uh, because it it is, that is a, that confirmation bias is a real um, strong force in our evolutionary biology. <laughs> so you bring up a really good point. And in, in science, how we handle this is um, it's, it's really important for you to think ahead about like, what are the results and what would be the cutoffs for what was sort of a positive result or what was a negative result? Now that that's in science and that's very nitty gritty and all of that. So I, I'm not proposing that uh Business owners run statistics on their experiments. Oh, good. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Right. No one wants to do that. So, but I, this is why I recommend thinking ahead of time about how you might interpret the results. So an example could be, uh, you could, maybe you're designing um, a, I don't know, a new service or offering and you have some sense about price point and, um, but you could think ahead and kind of model out like, okay, how much time does this take to produce or deliver? You know, what is the price point I think I could deliver it at? Um, but what's even the range that would make it worth it? And so it's kind of thinking ahead to say, okay, like what would make it, maybe you're really excited about it right? So you're really hoping that people want mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. and, but to actually do the numbers and say, how excited do people need to be about this for me to, and you don't even have to save a binary answer for me to do it 100% or not, but you could just ask yourself, what does it need to show for me to take the next step and run a more invested experiment? Ah, uh, okay. So that's one thing we can do is be honest ahead of time. Not like, not in the moment when we're interpreting the results. Uh, You know, another thing you can do, you can enlist a trusted colleague or friend, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, ideally someone who also is a smart business owner who you respect to be like, hey, I'm really excited about this idea. I know I will be biased towards saying it worked when maybe it's actually not feasible. You could totally do a lunch and say, okay, I'm going to run this test pilot you know, this is the marketing I'm going to do for it. These are the people who signed up. Um, here's the questions I'm going to ask them to kind of vet, like, 
what they'd spend on it or who they rec- who would they recommend it to. And here's how I'm thinking about assessing the results and, um, and have, have like an honest buddy <laughs> who's going to keep you honest or who even will just ask you questions about your results. Um, in science, we do, we would do this all the time. So like, I don't know, every three or four months as a grad student, I had to present my results to the whole lab. And there was absolutely the process of people ask questions. They ask about your interpretation of things. They say, well, that's interesting. You thought about it this way. I would have interpreted it this way. Uh, And you can agree with them or not, but it really opens up your thinking and kind of challenges like challenges biases you might have uh-huh. and so um wow. you could do this you can also like do this yourself it's a little harder but you could say okay i'm gonna put on my it didn't work cap and i'm gonna try and make the case for why it didn't work if if you're a person who would be biased towards oh it totally worked one yeah thing. so um I, you asked such a great question though, because this is absolutely something we're susceptible as human beings. And so we have to be aware of it. Well, yeah. And, and I'm, you know, drawing from personal experience. Of things <laughs> that get in my way. Um, so I'm sorry. And I, and I, you know, cut you off from, from where you were going with that. So. Um, oh, I no, we're great. I think, I think we talked about all the, all the parts of it. Um, that I, maybe just the last piece to emphasize is that experiments are never one and done. Like what you, what you earn from running a great experiment is good insights into what's the next experiment you run. And it doesn't have to be, okay, now I'm fully invested or now I'm not invested at all. Like if you're thinking it didn't quite work, well, the, the next experiment is to say, well, what do I think would make it work? Do I need to change the price point? Um, do I need to go to a different customer base? Um, and this is where having some questions you can ask or a way to look at sort of what happened to understand um, maybe everyone loves the product. They just don't like it in blue. <laughs> they, wanted, they wanted it in yellow. Uh, you know, so just understanding what you might change to run your next great experiment. I love this idea of looking at these things as an as an experiment because it lets go of that all or nothing sort of feeling. It mm-hmm. um, I think it adds a certain energy that entrepreneurs have a tendency to have anyway. The curiosity, the digging in, and creating um, mm-hmm. aspects. So I, I can see that working much better. Awesome and. I do like that mindset. Again, mindsets are powerful because they are a lens that we can often uh, flip or change more quickly um, that really changes behaviors and feelings and how we think about things um, that can be very powerful. And yeah. so um, when you when you find a lens that really helps or resonates, um, it can it can change things very quickly. And so, Awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad that that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think all of this is interesting and, and, um, oddly motivating. (laughs) You probably don't think it's odd, but it's like, I'm just glad it's motivating. Some people hear math and science and they're like, oh no, I'm out. (laughs) And I, and I said earlier, you know, something we were talking about and I said, that feels liberating to me. I think all of this feels liberating because 
what it says to us is we don't have to be stuck. We don't have to um, avoid things or struggle with trying to figure them out. We can just sort of, you know, take a giant step back and say, okay, let me look at this through a different lens. Let me explore it from a different perspective and take some of the pressure off of it um, mm -hmm. so that we can dig in and, and get to what really is, which I think for what my experience has been with entrepreneurs is once they have that, okay, this is what I can do, mm -hmm. they go do it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Action biased. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just the not knowing or the not being able to decide or figure out or, or, you know, whatever it is that tends to get in the way once, once you give them, you know, once they know, yeah. I just have to do this, you know, great. Yeah. And, and I think recognizing that strength when you have it, not everyone has an action bias, but I agree with you that in entrepreneurship, that is often the case. And um, really identifying what are these things that bog you down, get you stuck and finding some ways to say, oh, how do I approach that? How do I not make myself wrong for not knowing? Um, and again, I like this. The whole of science is not knowing and trying to figure out. It's a whole, it's a whole industry. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can have a whole industry around not knowing and, and, and going to work every day, not knowing the next thing and trying to know it, like then totally okay for entrepreneurship to be a whole industry in the same place, creating things that aren't known yet, that are different, you know, that serve needs in a different and new way or better way. And um, so one thing that I think about that it, this happens for people in large companies, it also happens for business owners um, that is really important. And I, and I see it happening is that sometimes uh, there comes this point and sometimes it's, in career arc, sometimes mid-career arc, but it can also happen at any point um, when you're running a business, when you get sort of comfortable. So we've been talking yeah. a lot about the moments when it's uncomfortable, and yeah. but there are also moments when we're like, okay, you know, I've I have learned a lot, I've come a long way, and um, Things feel less scary than they were before, and I, I feel competent, and I know how to do these things that are the basic core pieces. So sometimes what happens to us, this is a, you could call it a mistake, or you could just call it a piece of human nature that if we want to continue to grow and raise our performance, we need to overcome, is sort of a level of complacency or sort of um, stagnation that can happen when we hit a local maxima. And the thing is, when we're earlier in our career, or even earlier in our businesses, uh, we sort of can accept that we don't know a lot. And as we spoke about before, we, we hustle, we outwork the problem. And, and actually, we're often rewarded for that. And, um, you know, it's often what our peers are doing also. Yeah. Often this is like, you know, in our 20s or like kind of early on. And we kind of hit a midpoint when we're much more confident and we've gotten good at some things. And what's interesting is I, I noticed that sometimes we, it, it seems like we have lost the muscle memory of what it takes to be a beginner again, or yeah. to be not good at something. And I think 
that um, fear or or that sense of having lost touch with that um, often gets us stuck at a local maxima. So we're doing well. You know, you can imagine you're climbing into a mountain range and you have sort of gotten to a high point. You can see some views. It's nice. <laughs> um, you know, you're no longer scaling a wall, so you feel a little safer. And um, but you realize you're sort of stuck from there. Like maybe you're a little bored or maybe, I don't know, you're just uh, feeling a little bit of dissatisfaction. And one of the challenges can be that, but you're at a high point. And often that means you need to sort of disassemble or even take a step backwards to go uh, work towards what is next, like your next level of performance. Um, and that can be really challenging, but I like to give it that visual image because I think it helps us, uh, well, put an image to something that we feel, and it's always harder to describe something we're feeling. It's a little more ambiguous. And, but I think we all hit this. And when we hit it sort of later on, when we're already successful, I like to bring this up because, um, Often what it means is we actually do need to take a step back into the learning zone and be a beginner at something. Uh, Sometimes it means we even need to stop doing some of the things we're doing or offering maybe through our businesses in order to um, offer up a next level of service or product or kind of restructuring how we're doing things so it's more effective or efficient. And, um, And this is a totally normal piece of a performance curve. I think we always think about performance curves as these like perfect linear lines, like up and to the right. (laughs) (laughs) And I like to point out that, no, we often hit a peak and then need to go back down to then kind of rethink and take what we've learned and scale a bigger peak and, um, totally normal. Um, but it's something that I find can be challenging for people. And so I like to uh, normalize it and also normalize practicing being a beginner. (laughs) Um, I think that's very difficult. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and I get, and I, I totally get it. Um, I guess my question would be if someone's finding themselves in that situation where they're just feeling, I don't know, maybe bored or unmotivated or, you know, things are going fine. Yes. um, Is, is there some sort of activity they should engage in to, to, help, you know, like put themselves in a place where they are a beginner again? I, it's, it's less about necessarily arbitrarily uh, being a beginner again, but I often think uh, where the next good thing lies does have some uh, beginnerness in it. (laughs) So um, it's, it's less like, oh, you should go learn how to play chess. But I think often it's more asking something that may be uh, really relevant to their their business or their interests. Um, you know, one question you can ask yourself is, what am I not, like, what am I not doing or what am I avoiding right now that I think is actually a good idea because I don't know, like, because I, uh, I don't, don't know, know how, how to do it. it. Yeah. Or like, ooh, I know nothing about SEO. That's all that tech stuff. <laughs> You know, for example, (laughs) I I mean, I'm just, you know, that is an area like I know some things about it, but I can tell you, you know, a year ago, I did not. 
um, and it's not my background. And um, so I'll just use that as an example. A great um, example. So I think that's a great question you can ask yourself. And then I have a, I have a tool that I think is really effective for as you're trying to sort of build new skills, cultivate what power and kind of force and fuel you have uh, in the world and for your business. Um, and I just call it the 90-90-90 tool. And um, I can explain what the 90s are about in a minute. But I like to just say, using sort of brutal focus again, when you've identified an area where you're like, I can tell I'm resisting that because that would require that I be a beginner again, to then say, okay, well, uh, you know, what, um, what would be a way to get started on that thing? And mm. often, if you can even do a little bit of learning, often the start is learn a little bit so that I can understand what might be a really impactful first thing to do. And I like to think about um, often building in sort of compounding ways. So not that you need to take on a massive two-week project to get started on something, but to say, okay, well, what if I just started and said, I know nothing about SEO. We'll use this as an example. Um, and so I can't even really tell you what might be most important to get started on. So mm -hmm. what I'm going to get started on is, um, spending some time reading blog articles on the, on the internet about SEO. Um, and I'm going to spend 30 minutes a day, like doing some reading this week, I'm going to get started. <laughs> And that is like, that is my commitment. It's very clear what I'm going to do. There's actually no uncertainty about it because mm. um, I know how to do that. And as you said, like being an action bias person now, now you can go get started on that. Right. And then you can even say, and at the end of that, my last 30 minutes is going to be to take some time to think and say, okay, based on what I read, here's what I know are some steps I could choose to do, um, or here are three providers who could help me with this. Uh, next week, uh, my next steps are going to be, I'm going to set up a meeting. <laughs> I'm like, I've not committed to work with any of them, but I know I can learn even if I don't choose any of them, I'm going to interview three providers to like, help me think, help me learn and think about this some more. Um, ultimately, uh, the way I think about the 90-90-90 is that 90% of people don't get started on something like this. <laughs> Yeah. So if you get started, you are in the top 10%. Uh, after that, 90% um, of the people who are left don't keep going on it. And so even if you don't know that you're doing it correctly, it is worth just giving yourself the time to keep going on it and build the habit and the investment of like, I'm learning about SEO. I'm a beginner, but I will not be a beginner for long. And as long as I keep going. And um, then of the people who keep going, then 90% sort of keep going, but they don't necessarily improve uh, what they're doing. And so that's that last piece is once you've really established like, nope, I'm working on this, I've got some things, um, and you've sort of established that habit of this is now a thing you're doing, um, then the last piece I say is now you can focus on improving it. But don't train and focus on improving it at the beginning or you will never start. And don't focus on improving it um, too early or it just kind of kills your fire uh, before it's really roaring. That is priceless. I love that. <laughs>
I think that is so great. It hits all of those points about like the things that go on in your head when you're, when, you know, when we think about these things and Carla, I got to tell you that this is really incredible information. I feel like there's a lot more though. We don't have time for a lot more. So you'll probably <laughs> have to come back uh, <laughs> and we can dig further into it, but just what you've given us to, to be able to improve our results and, and increase our performance. I'm tremendously grateful. Thank you so much for spending this time. Oh, Diane, thank you so much for having me. And also just for your observations and thoughtful questions. Oh, listen, uh, my pleasure. And will you tell the listeners how they can find you and, and what, you know, whatever information you've got out there that you want them to know about? Yeah. Uh, a great place uh, to follow me is on LinkedIn. So I'm at Carla-Fowler and I'm always, uh, when I'm in conversations on podcasts, I'm posting them there. So that's a great place to follow along. And um, if you are interested in learning more about my coaching practice and performance science, uh, my website is thaxa.com, T-H-A-X-A. And um, that's where there's more information about my practice. Um, if having a conversation about coaching is something you're interested in, that's also a great place to contact me as well. So yeah, that's where I can be found. Excellent. I will make sure that that is in the show notes as well. So as I said, thank you. And listeners, thank you. You are who we're doing this for. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again, on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.